I literally have to write down where they're from. Otherwise, I forget. <laughs> well, that's what I love about like the pandemic has brought that out where yes. you meet these people from around the world and you do. It's such a great connection that you have. Now, granted, it's two dimensional, but it's still better than nothing. It's still better than never ever knowing that they exist, right? Right. And you know what my biggest thing is that I've been very conscious of all my life, obviously with my name and orally with your name, I'm sure you experience the same thing is uh-huh. how often do you just smile through it all when someone just brutalizes your name? <laughs> You'd be surprised. I mean, orally Zewi, I mean, it's so simple. And yet people add E's and W's and you know, I, I, it amazes me how you can how you can butcher such a simple name. But yes, people do it all the time. I, you know what? I'm okay with being called Saya, even though it's Sia. But I, I've been called I knew Sylvia. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been called Sylvia, Sierra. <laughs> Sierra. I'm like those letters don't even exist, and I don't understand what you're saying to me. <laughs> like, what's going on? Right. But hey, you know what? Though that's I think that's more about reading than listening. And you know, it's listening to us right now. The mic is listening. Are you ready to kick this off, Orly? I am ready. Let's do this. <laughs> the mic is listening. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Mic is Listening. My name is Tia, and today we have a wonderful guest today that has been so gracious to join us, Orly Zui. Welcome to The Mic is Listening. Zui. Oh my God, I just heard your name. <laughs> Didn't we just have a conversation about the whole naming thing? It's it's totally fine. Sia, no worries. No, thank, thank you so you. much. No, thank you for having me. I'm look. I was. I'm looking forward to our conversation. <laughs> you know, it's like when we first ta- chatted it up. I just knew with your energy and vibe. I was like, you know what? Normally, I get. I'm not going to lie to you. I get a little leery with authors in general because oftentimes I feel like all they want to do is promote their book, and there's no real connection. You know what I mean? And granted, I'd love to be a conduit to help promote great authors and speakers like yourself. But with you, I was like. I want to get on a megaphone and I'm going to, I almost <laughs> said a, a word that I don't think is allowed to promote you. Like I can promote like no other. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, that's very much appreciated. <laughs> well, you're very <laughs> welcome. So, um, you know, as always with a live stream and I play around with these settings and whatnot, I, I always laugh at myself because I just want to go on record. Yes, I produce podcasts, but no, I'm not your editor or engineer. Just heads up, everyone. So um, I do want to say one thing about this, and I want to preface this in. So I'm going to cut you out real quick, Orly, because I want to have a. I want to preface our conversation today, if you don't mind. No, not at all. And I'm going to affectionately call this um, the "Who Are You" segment. So let's talk about this. Who are you? And when I was talking to Orly and we're talking about entrepreneurs and launching your own business and developing and cultivating that personality, the who are you of a business, the who are you of a personal brand. And it got me thinking because I've heard this so many times and I've actually said this to clients when we're developing their podcast is who are you? And my business partner, Erin, was, you know, she's laughing because one of the things that she was thinking of in her path to personal branding and branding for her businesses has been 
well, who are you to do X, Y, Z, which I thought was a very interesting take Mm -hmm. on who are you. So today I want everyone to think of keeping an open mind because who are you is such a difficult question to ask, ask yourself and to answer for yourself. And ultimately is who are you as in what do you want to represent for yourself, for your personal and professional brand could actually be two separate things. Now, of course, connecting the two is going to be a layer of authenticity to ensure that your personal and your professional brand has some level of bridge or connection. And that makes sense to your audience, whoever you're targeting. But keep that in mind, because sometimes your corporate brand may not necessarily be exactly your personal brand. Case in point, I am a podcaster. I am a strategist. I talk to clients all the time about, you know, podcasting as a tool to leverage their marketing strategy and to help highlight uh, and quite frankly, put some content out there that's fast, quick, and easy to distribute. My personal brand is all about music and life is too short. You know, um, what's that uh, Costa Rican saying? Pura vida, right? Just live the life and enjoy it. That's my personal brand. Granted, professionally, if I'm going to a Fortune 500 and have that laid back at laid back attitude, there might be a certain amount of credibility questions of can you actually deliver, execute on what our strategies are about. So just I'm throwing that out there as an example of who are you. Some of the challenges that you might want to address is your personal, your professional branding, but then also dig deep into yourself. I call this a fire in your belly. Simon Sinek is the why. This helps you formulate that foundation of what's going to set the tone for everything future on. And so that's pretty much what I want to talk about today with Orly because she's done this so many times, serial entrepreneur, she's adjunct professor of so many different locations or universities. I mean, let's, let's be honest, Orly knows what's up and Orly gets it. And so again, I do want to say welcome back. Now that I can properly bring back Orly. Zewi, thank you. Orly. Thank you so much. That, <laughs> I, you know, I have to say, I love that question because I, um, I literally, um, that's what, that's all I do. That's all I do all day long is I help people figure out who they are. And, uh, and not only that, but figure out why it matters and who it matters to, because what entrepreneurs, and especially um, when you're first starting a company, you tend to think, oh my God, I need to talk to everybody because I need business. And, you know, let me just get everybody here. And, What I do is in this process, this build a brand process that I've developed, it's really about getting clear on the DNA of your brand. So um, so the first thing is, you know, what do you believe? What's your core value? And I find it really interesting that so many companies have like a whole list of core values, which honestly is not core values at all. It's really just this is how we do business. I mean, if you have to tell people that great customer service is a core value, I have to question that because because <laughs> if you didn't have great customer va- customer uh, service, you'd be out of business. So, um, but a real core value, and and I use this actually as an example in my book. The only people who can say that that that's their core value is when they live it, and um, and and you know it's interesting because uh, Nordstrom's. Um, is very big on that, you know, customer service. And they're notorious for taking back things. And, you know, you don't need a, you don't need a receipt. They've all, each of the, the people who, who wait on you are literally um, empowered to, um, 
to 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 give you back whatever you're asking for because in their mind that's that's really that's their number one goal is to make sure the customers are happy. So the story that I shared in the book is uh, one where, um, uh, and truth be told, the, the Nordstrom store's store used to be a tire store. So you can kind of understand the sequence that comes next, which is literally somebody coming into a Nordstrom store and rolling into the store two tires and asking for their money back. Now, Nordstrom's has never sold tires. Yep. The, the man did not have a receipt. It had not been a tire store in a long time. And they gave him back all his money. No questions asked. That is customer service. And that is the customer service experience. I think that is what we need to really talk yes. about, right? Because yes. it's Thank not just simply that. it's not just simply saying, you know, hi, welcome. I get that, but it's how they make you feel. It's almost like those conversations, right? No one's gonna remember you what you said, but they will always remember how you make them feel. Right. And Maya Angelo. Yeah. Yes. That's my aunt. Yes. Oh, I knew I was like well-read yeah. somewhere, but oh, um, she's fabulous. Yeah. She says um, people may not remember what you said. They may not remember how you said it, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And this is where you're tying back to your core values from a brand perspective of, again, that why. And I've actually mm -hmm. talked to clients about this is they're like, oh, why? Well, why? I want to grow my social media following or I want to get more leads. And I'm like, that's not a why. A why to me, that's a what, by the way, if you're that's ever planning on your what you want to accomplish yeah. with your, again, for me in my world, it's podcasting. That's a KPI, key performance indicator. The why though, is when you have to dig deep into your soul, sit down on your couch, lay back and pretend there's like a psychiatrist or psychologist right there. And that's your why. That's when you have to get to the root of everything, right? right. Why do you do things? For some people it is, you know, their family and there's a reason behind their family experience, right? Um, you know, my dad told me I could never do something. Well, now I, that's my fire in life is I can do everything. That's to me a why. Uh, full disclosure, my dad has always been supportive. He never did that. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear. Right. <laughs> but okay, so, so yeah. I apologize. So Orly, what I want to do, I didn't properly introduce you because you are the author of a book that I'm so excited about myself because I, I see so much. Uh, I just like nod yes, everything you talked about so far and I just, I can't wait to read it all and absorb it is you are the author of Ready Launch Brand. And this is um, what I thought was really awesome. It is the lean marketing guide for startups, not a marketing guide for startups, not a 5,000 page you know, tome <laughs> on the essence of marketing. This is like, you need to get to your route quickly, faster, more efficiently. So talk to me, why did you, why did you create this book and who prompted you to to, to put pen to paper? So that's, that's always such a, a, an interesting question for me. So it took me five years to get this book out. Uh, and now, now I wasn't writing it the whole time, but I interviewed 25 entrepreneurs. So it took a couple of years to do all the interviews, to find the entrepreneurs and interview them. And then, you know, find a publisher and, and do that, that piece. And then about a, a year uh, of editing and then the pandemic hit. So it was actually supposed to come out in 2020. Uh, and as so many of us, our plans changed. Uh, but um, as it turns out, um, you know, it's actually a good year to, to be uh, putting a book out like this because during the pandemic, there was an uptick of number of startups. Um, and on average, you have about half a million companies are launched every month in the U.S. alone. That's just in the U.S. It's amazing. And eight out of 10 are going to fail within the first five years. 
So, you know, for me, the book, um, uh, and, and it's interesting, you mentioned your dad. So my dad was an entrepreneur. He's retired, long retired, but I come from a long line of entrepreneurs on my father's side. And, you know, what I learned as the child of an entrepreneur is that the success of the entrepreneur impacts the family. So for me, it's very personal. If I can help a startup succeed, that means I'm helping another little girl somewhere have a better quality of life. And, and so I, it, you know, that's, it really hits that, that deep for me. And I think it's why I started thinking about it on a, from a business perspective, what I had noticed, cause I was doing, I've been consulting uh, startups for a long time. I kept seeing the same problems over and over and over again. And I kept thinking, you know, there's all these like misconceptions around marketing and, and the reason it's very intentional why I called it the lean marketing guide for startups, because when people think of marketing, what they tend to think about is traditional marketing. Like, oh, you know, we love, we should do advertising. And it's like, you know, one of the things that I've said over and over again to startup founders is please don't advertise. It is a waste of money. Advertising does not work when you are starting a company because nobody knows you. You can't yeah. advertise something that nobody knows. They don't trust it. They don't get it. They don't understand it. What I really focus on is helping you get traction, to get uh, brand awareness, because that is the first step to all success for business, is people actually have to know you exist. Yep. Then they have to want to come back, and that breeds loyalty. And then they tell other people about it, and that builds um, that bends, br builds brand equity, which is the value of the brand. Once you have enough people who want this, who, who want to tell other people about it, right? So the book is really focused on, you know, first dispelling some of these marketing myths. And I would say my favorite is we'll pay for marketing when we have money to pay for marketing. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Honey, preaching to the choir there. Oh, my right? goodness like, gracious. How do you think you're going to have money for marketing? <laughs> I I cannot tell you how many times where they're like, look, we just got to get some product out and we need you just, we need some sales. And it's like, yeah. Okay. And, and I've said this many times, people do business with people with whom they know, like, and trust. Absolutely. And the way to build that is to have some kind of emotional connection and tie to what, whatever it is that you are offering. Are you solving a problem that is going to emotionally connect with their pain point, whatever it might be, right? For me, if someone can solve doing laundry <laughs> as much as efficiently as possible without an intrusive person in my house handling my, you know, bit net, if you will, I would be in for it. Right. Because that's to me a pain point that I feel very viscerally on. And, uh, but I'd be more than happy to pay for that service if that's something that's, you know, available. But again, like I said, I had some caveats. I don't want someone that's, you know, in my business, if you will, but if it's automated or if it's like a robot, but then again, at the same time, is that robot creepy? Cause I don't want to look like that Boston <laughs> dynamic dog walking in my house. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, there's a lot of things, but if, but that connection, right? That right. that's the, you know, and that's here's a perfect example: Boston Dynamics, right? They make these incredible robots that look extraordinarily frighteningly sci-fi like, but their brand, they are considered, you know, uh, the future. They are considered, you know, those cutting edge folks that are going to pave the way of what we're going to expect in animated things, whatever you want to call them, robots, I guess. And there's a good and bad to it, but yet. Because of their product, they've created a community that has this dialogue of when do you stop making these lifelike things and are they going to be used for good, bad, whatever, 
and uh, good, better, and different. Everyone knows who Boston Dynamic is, which has nothing to do with Boston Dynamic name. And I said their name like 15 times. They should pay me. Um, <laughs> it has nothing to do with like, you, if you heard Boston Dynamic, it could be a it could be a running shoe company, right? And that's what's interesting is that they've been able to create a, a community. Uh, again, their branding and recognition, but their the name of their company is rather bland. So, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the name because I have a whole chapter on identity. And uh, I use, uh, you know, I, I interviewed uh, someone, one of the founders who, who is in, who's featured in that in the chapter talks about the fact that they, um, you know, that they changed their, uh, they didn't change, they came up with, with the name originally. And, and he talks about how the evolution of that name, but it was the logo that really didn't fit them. And so what he talks about is this idea that the heart of the brand didn't make sense. And so they had to give themselves a heart transplant, which I just thought it's like one of my favorite quotes in the book. Um, but, you know, to your point, um, I think, you know, one of the things that happens in, in this work is that people, you know, they, they just want to get to the end. Right. And they think that magically they're going to figure this out. And what mm. I have found is you do not magically figure out who you are. Uh, as a brand, because you're too close to it. Yes. And if your focus is on sales, then you become a solution looking for a problem instead of look for a problem that you can uniquely solve. And that's really the work that I do. I help you really figure out, you know, not just who you are, but who is your ideal customer? Because again, it's not the whole world. Because also from a marketing standpoint, you do not have enough money to market to the whole world. And especially as a startup, you know, my advice is always start small and build from there. Try not to, you know, and then it goes into messaging because um, another thing that I talk about is, you know, if you talk to everyone, you're talking to no one. And so being really, um, uh, really intentional about who you want to bring into your your brand. And it's this idea of starting in a conversation, engagement. You know, we talk a lot about that now. But um, and I, you know, and I see I see that especially on on home pages. You know, um, home pages are where good ideas go to die. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh my God, I I cannot tell you how often I land on a home page and I think to myself, I have no idea what you do. I have no idea if, if it has anything to do with something I care about. And I don't even know where to go with this, right? It's just so overwhelming. There's just so much content. And it gets back to this idea that people are worried that somehow they're going to forget something. So they try to just leave, put everything on their home. Yes. Yes. It's like that box of chocolates, right? You only give one at a time. You don't just slam the whole thing in someone's face like a pie or anything like that, right? And I think you were, you just nailed it on uh, messaging. And by the way, you just gave me a, um, what do you call that? A light bulb moment. Ah. Hmm. It almost would imply then that someone lives <laughs> up to their moniker as being the facilitator of light bulb moments. Can I just tell you, I saw that um, as your profile <laughs> header on LinkedIn. Yeah. That captured my attention. Like Thank I you. knew exactly what who and what you were based on that, right? I know speaker, <laughs> author, that's, to me, that's a, credibility establishment, but facilitator of light bulb moments, where the heck did that come from? You know, I, I, I have to tell you, I did not come up with that. A friend of mine said to me, and this is maybe five years ago. She goes, you know, Orly, this is what you do. You're a facilitator of light bulb moments. You help people get to their aha moment. And I've been doing it for a long time. And I, and I've had people literally say to me, Oh my God, I never thought of it that way. Right. And, 
And um, so I can't take credit for it, but um, but once I started saying it, it was just like, yeah, that's exactly what I do. And by the way, if someone reads that and it doesn't mean anything to them, they're not my client. And and that's something exactly that. And see, this is the piece that people don't realize. It's not just about clarifying who you want to work with, but it's also about avoiding tire kickers, not having people who don't have any need for what you do, and then spending all this time and energy and money resources to try to get somebody to buy something that they don't even want. So it's not, you, you know, it's not about tricking people, right? People, you know, that I love this, um, the saying, which everyone wants to buy, but nobody wants to be sold. Oh, um, yes. And, and it's really true. It's, it's, you know, we just want to, we want to figure it out. Like we want to engage, we want to discover, right? We really want to learn. So this idea of this, like, you know, very transactional um, experience has really been, this is wh what I have seen as a real shift in the last 10 years to really become much more of an experiential, um, up, you know, kind of a, 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 an experience to, again, discover what you do and to decide on my own time, right, without feeling the pressure, but deciding, is this something that's going to make my life better? Is this something that's going to, you know, I, if I'm, uh, I mean, one of the things I talk about with my clients is always, I want to help you figure out what keeps your client up at night. Mm. <laughs> that's a great question, right? I mean, if, <laughs> It could be so many different things that keep them up at night. And I think understanding that as well is right. extraordinarily important, right? Because it doesn't necessarily mean just a business perspective. So there's so much of our personal lives that creep into the professional lives that I think with the pandemic, you tell me, this is me just anecdotally seeing this, is I'm noticing more uh, attention being paid to the broader perspective of life. So with client interaction, it's not just simply, hey, my background's in technology. So, hey, you know, your server is out of date and you need more RAM, blah, blah, blah. You want to process things more effectively. Those conversations don't exist anymore. It's more along the lines of, hey, noticing that, you know, your time efficiency, if you can manage less, you know, automate as much as possible, is that going to help you spend more time with Billy? And uh, those well, that, conversations that gets, didn't exist. Yeah, that gets to, I think, um, to this idea that, that it's not just about understanding one little piece of your client's experience. You need to really understand their whole journey. And, and what I talk about is how do you, you know, because this is really what I do. I help you become the hero in your customer's journey, because if they're truly having this pain point and all these, you know, these other things are kind of coming to bear, then you be able to, you know, understanding that and coming to them from that perspective of really having empathy for their experience helps also develop messaging that's not robotic and it gets away from, you know, we provide great customer service. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but instead, you know, if you're Nordstrom's, they don't just provide it. They live it. They, this is their reason for being. It's their why every single day. And it's not just the head, the person who runs the company, but it's everyone at every level. So as you get bigger, that, that piece becomes so much more critical because now you have more people and they have to understand why they show up at work What's, yeah. and, and how what they do fits into this. So so, you know, this idea that it's, a, it's about language and it's about also really aligning your vision with, with kind of this, this clarity around who you are and how your particular uh, piece in this, like as all of us are connected, right? So in, our, in the company, 
every person has a role to play. And if you can see it as kind of a part of that, you're part of a bigger whole, you're also retention goes up, you have less issues with, you know, with attrition, and you you have more engagement. And as the millennial population is now, you know, getting becoming more the majority, I mean, um, they are, yeah, they already are, right. So, you know, that's, that's what keeps, if you want to know what keeps millennials excited about being at work is they want to do something meaningful. They want to be part of something. So the more you can communicate that in a way that really engages them, the more likely they are to not just stay, but help you build whatever it is that you've built. And that, that's really, I think that's the long view. You've nailed so many things here. And actually (laughs) uh, we've got Eddie here that mentioned as well is partnership, right? That there's a real Partnership, I think, is one of those terms that um, gets abused, right? Because in partnership, there's an assumption of a client and, uh, you know, vendor type relationship being collaborative, right? But the reality of it is, as you've mentioned, with the millennial generation and, quite frankly, the Gen Zs now are in the mid-20s, right? Their desire for having real, lasting, meaningful impact in the development of an organization, whether it's yours or in collaboration with their client, if you will. It's it's really interesting seeing that shift of, and I've said the saying before, and I'll say it again, and I love saying it, is all, sh- all ships rise with the tide, right? I'm seeing a much more of a nuanced dance between these types of working relationships mm-hmm. that you're seeing them saying, look, look, we're going to climb this tree together and we're going to hold, e- you know, hold each other and support each other. And I'll be your, sh- oh my gosh, I'm not a, ro- I'm not a climber, so I'm messing this up but I'll hold your rope for you. And as you lock your carabiner in type thing. Right. And it's together, not, and I've said this also, not a hunter, you know, you know, hunting a client, you know, like, Oh, I've got my prey. I'm going to go after that. It's very interesting. Like it's a mind shift. And are you seeing more of that now early when you're as your clients, um, you know, I'm a Gen Xer that everyone keeps forgetting exists, but are you seeing a shift a little bit more from the boomers to the Gen X to the millennials? Is it obvious big swing? Everyone compares boomers and millennials, but do you think, don't you think the Gen Xs are a bit of a transition between these two generations too, to kind of help this facilitate this mind shift? Well, you know, what people focus on is the whole digital aspect. So millennials are the first digital natives. And that's part of why they got more of the press than Gen Xers, because they were still in transition to that. And then, of course, Gen Zers, um, you know, I mean, my sons are Gen Zers and and they, um, you know, they they grew up with technology. They don't know any other way. Um, but what I, I believe is really kind of the sweet spot of all of this is that we can learn from all each other, that I think each of us, each generation brings something to the table. But I will say that the big shift I have seen is since millennials entered the workforce, because once that happened, then, you know, it was this whole idea that, you know, don't sell me, help me discover. Don't mm. sell me. I, I, they don't want to be sold. And they also, by the way, they don't trust you know, um, native content. They trust the content that's being created by your community, which is why building a community is such a big part of this, that if you don't engage, then it's just you talking into the void. And millennials don't trust that. So yeah, on your website, you can say all kinds of things, which of course is one of the reasons why I always tell people, get testimonials, get testimonials. Because it's not just about you. You know, your credibility 
Um, that for me is a given that you know what you're doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing this. So trying to sell me on your merit feels a little bit odd. Like what I want to learn is what is the impact. So don't talk to me about the process. Don't tell me how you make the cheese. Tell me how yummy it is. Tell me how incredible, how it's the best cheese you've ever tasted in your whole life. And it changes people's lives. You know, that's what I want to hear about. And so it really comes down to, and this, again, websites are just the number one, uh, <laughs> the number one um, uh, issue that I see in terms of that kind of communication, because, yes. you know, we really want to know what's in it for us. What am I going to get if I engage with you? And right. And then it's also the last thing is clicking is OK. Like you want people to click because every time they click, they're going in deeper, which means they're committing more to what you're talking about. So that's another reason why you don't want to put everything on your homepage because then there's no reason to go any further, right? You've already told him everything. Uh, It's like, you know, one of those first dates where there, you already know like everything about the person, right? You don't want to know everything. We want a little mystery here, but we also want people to engage and to do that. We need to make them curious And we need to give them just enough information so they're going to want to explore on their own without us telling you how to do that or what you should be exploring. But you you kind of create a narrative and then you let people find it for themselves. Oh, my gosh. You have like, again, light bulb moments. They're like, ping, pew, pew, pew. Like if if there's a soundtrack of people's lives, it'd be pew, pew, pew. Um, That was like a perfect summary of our conversation because I think it's such a great starting point. And it did remind me of this other visual and I'm a visual person and it's this, how many times have you gone to like a networking meetup, right? And you walk up to a table and you're sitting down and there's one person that just dominates the table and talks all about themselves, all about their business, all about what, you know, they want out of you and never ask that question of once of who are you? Hey guys, like, what can I do to help you? What can I do to support you? It's me, me, me. You just summarized everything just now literally (laughs) is literally is this whatever content you're putting out there, especially for your webpage. Think of yourself as that cocktail party. Don't be that guy. That's the screaming. Look at me, look at me, look at me and have zero value add. Otherwise you're just going to be that. um, Oh my gosh. One of those. This is totally random. My ADD is kicking in, but there was this nature <laughs> video where they had did voiceovers and it was just like this little groundhog thing. It was like, chirp, 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 chirp. That's what my visual is. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> That's early. a good one. I hadn't thought about that. So so here's so here's what I, I one, one way that I, I would kind of wrap this up is to say, instead of focusing on how great you are, focus on the problem you're trying to solve. And, and the way to do that is to first ask a question that only you know the answer to. So I, the, the thing about asking questions is I assume if you ask the question, you have an answer. <laughs> so uh-huh. instead of talking about, you know, the how and the what, talk about the why. And so you want to put people in the context of a conversation. Because for me, you know, anytime you're talking to someone, the purpose is not to sell them. It's to create a relationship, to engage, to start a conversation. And you know what? Here's the thing. If I find that I'm not a fit, then that's fine too. You know, you've just saved me months of wasting my time, right? And it's also, it's not helping you. So then you're going to shut down and you're not going to listen to anything anyway at that point. So what I'm then interested in is tell me what you, what is keeping you up at night. And let me see if maybe I know somebody in my network who can help you. 
Orly, and this is why I love you. I, I, please, you are always welcome back here. And oh, thank you. Everyone, buy. Everyone. Everyone needs a copy or 10 of Ready Launch Brand. Please. You guys, this is the Lean Marketing Guide. I mean, for, for business, this is, I mean, Orly, everything you have here. And I can't wait for the speaking circuit to come back up again because I would absolutely go and see you. You're, you're very knowledgeable, you're relatable. You're authentic to everything. Everything that we've been talking about today and also previous conversations, I mean, you do definitely extol it. So thank you so much for your time. For those that want to get more uh, information from you, I did do a banner streaming down here, but any other ways can people reach you? Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can get the book um, actually through Routledge is my is my publisher and um, and or on Amazon. Uh, and apparently it's on Barnes and Nobles too. I did not know that, but it's there as well. So on their uh, barnesandnoble.com, you can actually buy it from them. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, that's, that's big time. That's big time. So congratulations. Thank and uh, everyone, Orly's the best ever. Zoe is her <laughs> last name. Say it correctly. And on that note, everyone, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and spin us off here for the mic is listening. Be safe, be good. And uh, till next week, everyone. Bye. Thank you.